Well, hello, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks so very much for being here today. You are a rock star in my eyes for downloading this show, watching this show on YouTube, on Facebook, listening to it in your earbuds as you're heading to work, as you're driving to work, whatever the case may be. Thank you so very much for joining us today. Cannot thank you enough. You are amazing. Now then, eating more but weighing less. Sounds like a dream, right? I mean, that is the dream, right? I mean, come on, right? We all assume that when it comes time to diet, quote-unquote, and it comes time to lose weight, we have to go hungry. We have to go to bed with the tummy rumbling. But that, my friend, is not the case. That is what we are going to be talking about today. Now, on last week's show, we talked about food addiction. But this, this is another reason why I and millions just like me fail at dieting. Because when we go on these supposed diets and we go hungry, that's when we get into trouble. These diets helped push me all the way up to 420 pounds. My poor five foot five inch frame all the way up to 420 pounds with the 66 inch waist. And that courtesy of both food addiction and yo-yo dieting, which did nothing to help the process. And I am certainly not alone in that struggle. I know millions, millions of us have that same struggle when it comes to dieting. So here's the deal. What we're going to do today is we're going to learn how a plant-based diet can help you feel full while shrinking the waist. It gets you looking and feeling healthy, and you will not go to bed hungry. That is a guarantee. Without a doubt, Dr. Steve Niebuhr, who is a brand new father, a father for the third time. Congratulations, Dr. Niebuhr. He is going to be here on the show today to explain the science behind it. We are going to be diving into the nerdy background of fruits and of vegetables and why they are a key to the new and smaller you. Spoiler alert, fruits, vegetables, they may not be calorically dense, but they are indeed nutrient dense. And that is the polar opposite of the standard American diet that has gotten so many of us in trouble. That is why 70% of this country is overweight or obese. Unbelievable statistics. Also on the show... Barnard Medical Center's Maggie Neola is here. She is a wonderful dietitian, and you are absolutely going to love what she is bringing to the table. We have picked five, count them, five of the most popular foods in the American diet, and we are going to compare their nutritional values against the vegan versions. Going to go toe-to-toe, a head-to-head comparison, and the difference is jaw-dropping. Say it again. The difference is jaw-dropping. The caloric difference alone is so amazing. You're going to realize why so many people say if you go on a plant-based diet, you don't even have to worry one second about counting calories. That's how big of a difference we're talking about here. I cannot wait to share that with you. It sounds like a dream come true, right? Right? Eat more, weigh less. 
Stepping inside the exam room podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hello, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Kind of appropriate for this particular show. I think more than any other. I get excited about this. This one and the food addiction show that, that we released recently as well. The name of today's show, as you've heard, eat more, weigh less. Why is it that on a plant-based diet, you don't have to worry about it being like a, a Weight Watchers deal or a Jenny Craig deal where you got to count points and you got to count so many calories a plant-based diet, it's really not something that you have to do a lot of math with. Just eat your plants. So why is that? We're going to get scientific. We're going to get nerdy about it. We're welcoming back to the program upstairs from the Barnard Medical Center, Dr. Steve Niebuhr. What's up, man? Woo, applause. <laughs> Just wow, in. put yourself over a little bit more. Just add it in afterwards. I mean, that right, is. Everybody calm down. Woo, <laughs> so enthusiastic. Uh, always a pleasure to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and already we are off yep. the rails man uh all right so um here's the deal man eat yep. more way less standard american diet yep. it is just loaded with calories yeah. I tell this story all the time whenever i go out and i yeah. do speaking engagements 420 pounds at my heaviest i was eating 10,000 calories a day yeah now that's far more than the average but do you know like what the average person ballpark is consuming per day the the average american the average american average Amer- american i would say they're they're upwards of three thousand calories if i had right. to take a guess you're, you're gonna correct me on that i i honestly don't know the answer to that yeah i was never average you I've were never average so you were eating more weighing more oh very much okay so. eat more weigh more which is i think what the average weigh person more. weigh more way more, more way all right way more i gotcha yeah man uh but i think the average person is eating more and weighing more yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, you got obesity now. I mean, it's two-thirds, yeah. more than two-thirds of the country. 70% right. is either I think something like right. overweight or obese. You got it. Yeah. 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 And they're eating way more to weigh more. They, they are eating Man, way more to what a, weigh more. What a start we got today. Uh, How about that? <laughs> Just full of puns. Yep. Uh, but seriously, so those diets, though, I mean, those uh, we're talking about really calorically dense meals. Yeah. And the first thing that I think about are for whatever reason i'll go right to the drive-thru i'll think about fried food right yeah and you fry a food what's it fried in fried in oil yeah and then i think back to this chart that you showed me or this graphic that you yeah. showed me and it's fascinating it has four stomachs on there yeah and it shows what 500 calories of various foods look like yeah. inside the stomach how much it fills up the stomach yeah and with oil it's like nothing it's hardly anything right. i think I'm going to have to look this up and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a tablespoon of oil is about 125 calories, Yeah, 150, something like that. Yeah. Uh, somewhere around there. Don't don't hold me to that, but it's around that area. Uh, and it doesn't matter what kind of oil it is. It could be vegetable oil, olive oil, coconut oil. All oil uh, is the same density right? Uh, as far as calories. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, if you're going to fill up your stomach if you want to fill it up efficiently and then you use oil or use butter because you can get the most calories in there without taking up a whole lot of room. Right. Um, but usually that, that's not the goal to get in as many calories as you can. (laughs) Right. Nine times out of 10. No, you know, it's on the opposite end of the spectrum. What does that saw? Water, right? Zero calories, zero calories. You can fill your stomach with a thousand gallons of water. You you can't really, but there's no calories to it. No, don't take that challenge. Don't check. <laughs> don't don't do, no one do that. No one do that. Um, but so, yeah, when you're looking at foods, you know, you want to be able to eat more without as many calories. 
it means you need to have things that have more water in them, basically, right? right? right. So you're diluting out the calories. And suddenly it all makes sense. Yeah. Like it, I love it. Right? Man. You just always bring it full <laughs> circle, man. It's like, where's he going? Where's he going? Where's he going? Right there. That's where it's almost a, a homeopathic uh, approach to right. eating. Think about that, right? So yeah. we'll just watermelon, all right? We'll yeah. just keep water right, right. In there. You bite into that. It's they call it watermelon for a reason. Yeah, it's mostly water. How about that? And you can look up the calorie density of watermelon. I bet you, you know, we think sometimes upstairs in the office, we think in terms of pounds, because that's what us Americans, we Americans are used to. They go on poundage. Right? And if you looked at the pounds of cal- or sorry, the number of calories in a pound of watermelon, yeah. I bet you it's maybe, maybe at most two, three hundred. I mm. could, I, again, I could be wrong, but it's, it's going to be in that ballpark. And the whole watermelon. Yeah, but um, in a pound of it. In a pound of it. I don't mean like, you know, a 10-pound watermelon. You got to multiply by 10. I can find out. All right. How are you going to find out? I got uh, this really fun little app on my phone. It's called Nutrients. Yeah. Um, And what it does is it actually pulls in the USDA database. You know, they went through and they just like broke down every micro, macro, nutrient, calories, fat, all of that stuff. Minerals in there. You want to know about your calcium? Everything. I mean, this thing like blows my fitness body. Oh, yeah. out of the water, yeah. out of the like, not even on the same level. Yeah, uh, and I like my fitness pal. I'll oh, just say that. But you're right; the, their nutrient database is incredible. It's it's, it's silly time. I'm not getting paid to put them over either, man. I'm, uh, I'm not I'm just, either. I'm just telling you. <laughs> that, hello, uh, I believe it's put out by a company called Pomegranate. So hi, really? Uh, I'm okay, Chuck Carroll. I'm happy to give you my email address, and we can talk shop. <laughs> um, all right, watermelon. Yeah, look it up for me. Let's Raw see. watermelon. Uh, they do not do by the pound. They do by grams, right? They do. So how many <laughs> Every, Everyone driving right now is about to nod off and fall asleep. <laughs> Listen yeah, to us do some math on the air here. All right, well, why don't we just go with... We can we can take we'll that number. We'll go with a wedge. All right, we'll a wedge of watermelon. a wedge of watermelon, which they uh, say is roughly 286 grams. Okay, and how many calories are in that? 86. Okay. 86 calories. <laughs> and uh, less than one gram of, not even a half a gram of fat. Right. So remember on that other, that side of the spectrum with the oil, that's where the fat is. Right. So right. You're, you're nine calories per gram in fat. It's like insanely, 262 grams of water. Yeah. So. With how many calories in that water? Zippy. So, Zero. Uh, uh, so get the watermelon, <laughs> 286 grams for a wedge. Yeah. 200 and, what do we say, 60 of them? Are from water. Yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting, Chuck. What is that, Steve? I'll tell you. <laughs> tell me. There, there's protein in there too, right? Did you Did you see anything about protein? I saw something about everything, right down to ash. Yeah. Uh, ash. Okay. Uh, protein. Stand by. I can tell you. Yes. Uh, there is just about two grams. Yeah. Yeah. So people often get concerned about protein, and sometimes get concerned about fat. And I try to reassure them that there's protein, fat, and carbohydrates in literally every food that grows in the world. Yep. And so I don't really think of a watermelon as like eating a protein-based food, but it has protein in it, right? Yes. And you don't really think of a watermelon as a food that has fat in it, but it does have fat in it, right? Yep. yep. Not a high amount, but yeah, there's some But it's there. still there. Yeah. And we have very low requirements for fat and very low requirements for protein. And so if you look at the daily requirements for the average person throughout the day, you're going to meet those requirements as long as you're getting enough calories, no matter what food you're eating. Don't overlook fiber either. Oh, yeah. That's that's tell, another big one. Tell me about fiber. Fiber, uh, just a little over a gram. Not, okay. not a huge source of fiber, but okay. if we're talking about fruits and vegetables yeah. as a whole. Yeah. 
And the method or the message that keeps being brought up on this show yeah. repeatedly, yeah. fiber keeps you full. Right. And now, would you prefer watermelon or Metamucil? Watermelon. Okay. All right. Nothing against Metamucil. I mean, it does its trick, but fiber stirred up in a glass or eating a piece of watermelon? Give me the watermelon. Yeah. I know they're not exactly the same thing, and I know. Don't get mad at me. All right. I'm just saying. I love watermelon. I do. If you had some now, I would eat it. Again, all right. right downstairs, Robbins <laughs> okay. will get the card. It'll be phenomenal. All right. Uh, all right. So what What about um, some other causes of obesity? I want to bounce around a little bit. So yeah. how people always, though, they go to genetics. They say, yeah. my dad's fat, my mom's fat, my brother's fat. That's yeah. why I'm fat. Yeah. How much of a role do genetics play yeah. in well, obesity? Well, it does play some role. There's a nature versus nurture debate. Right, so you inherit the genetics from your parents, but you also inherit eating habits from your parents. Mm-hmm. So if your parents are eating a lot of high fat foods, you're probably going to grow up eating those as well. Right. Um, it's just the way it is. Yeah, I, I mean, can tell you firsthand that that is the way that it did, is. Did, I don't know if you want to share. Did you grow up with parents who were perhaps not feeding you? Uh, I don't want to blame your parents. Oh no, I but, mean, you look, know, where did you learn your eating habits I'm not, from? I'm not blame me i don't blame anybody yeah I mean, they they weren't really educated on this by right. no fault of their own and right. so yeah i grew up eating fast food yeah. i grew up going through drive throughs yeah. even when i would go to grandma's house oh, after yeah. school she would she didn't have a lot of money but yeah. she you know always had frozen fries in yeah in the freezer would yeah. know, get that and like cook them in a right. freaking vat of bacon grease for god's oh sake. my goodness and uh, and then you know frozen hamburger patties whip those yeah i mean cheese. like yeah. it was all fried Right, right. I yeah, I mean, you know, people like you and I could have grown up eating similar things. Um I remember going to my grandmother's house on the weekend and we'd go to McDonald's and get a cheeseburger and a milkshake, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh have some eggs and bacon during the week and it wasn't cuz it wasn't cuz she wanted to do harm to me, it was cuz that's how people ate, you know? Right. We didn't really know any better. Right. Um but now that we're learning things, like I don't I don't eat that way anymore. You mentioned milkshake. Uh yeah. how much of a role does sugar play? in terms of obesity. And I guess in in this case I'm talking about added sugars. Yeah, added sugars are they they make a they make a difference. Um our bodies store a certain amount of sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh we store it in our liver uh as as a chain almost. It's called glycogen and it's a bunch of little sugar molecules kind of linked together. And it's our it's what keeps us alive in between meals. So right now you and I, neither one of us is eating right now, we're burning that sugar. Um, our bodies were designed to run off of sugar. Hmm. If you remember back to biology class, I know you love when I reference biology class, right? I, I went, <laughs> I think, once or twice. All right, all right. Well, so they talked about something called the Krebs cycle. Oh, my that? God, I haven't heard about that in like two decades. <laughs> okay, bring it back. So the Krebs cycle is how our bodies break down sugar to make energy. Ah. And it's, in a sense, like a very slow burn. You know, if you set sugar on fire, you're releasing the energy quickly. Right. But in your body, you don't want to set it on fire. You just want to break it down and release that energy more slowly uh, so you can use it, Mm. right, to move your muscles, to keep your heart beating, and to keep your brain, you know, keep your uh, neurons firing, keep your brain alive. Interesting. Right? So I know you asked about sugar and obesity. We need some sugar. Right. Right? The same way we do need some fat, we do need some protein, but we don't need too much of it. Gotcha. And so think of your liver like a reservoir. It holds that the water in the reservoir. It holds the sugar. Uh, and you use what you got there. But if you overflow the reservoir, that's when our bodies will start converting it into fat. Hmm. So if you're drinking soda throughout the day or 
hop, as our Midwestern friends say, right? So if you're just drinking soda, juice, um, eating a lot of candy throughout the day, then your 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 reservoir is probably already full, right? And so you're going to get some overflow, and your body's efficient; it doesn't want to waste energy. Um, it'll convert into fat, and I think that's really that's a that's a evolutionary adaptation. You know, our ancestors thousands of years ago, they didn't know when they were going to get their next meal. So they had the ability to eat as much as they could in one setting and the overflow would get turned into fat because if they didn't eat again for a couple days or a week or more, they needed that energy to keep them alive. Sure, storage. Yeah, but here in modern society, most of us, most of us, I can't talk, most of us are fortunate enough to be able to get a meal multiple times a day and so we don't need to convert everything into fat. Uh, we need enough to keep us going, but we don't need excessive amounts of calories. Interesting. It's funny, like, how long the evolutionary process takes. Because, uh, I mean, maybe we are changing at the speed of maybe a snail, if that. Yeah. You know, where our bodies will release more fat. Uh, yeah. Or, or not hold on to it for as long. I don't know. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's a whole other show oh, to yeah. really talk about. Yeah. And I mean, you look at the, I mean, thousands and thousands of generations of parents and grandparents and great times a thousand yeah. grandparents, you know, we've, we've evolved with the earth to eat foods from the earth. And in the last hundred to 200 years, we've come up with all these ways of processing food that our, our bodies are just not used to. Right. Like we're not designed to handle like super high amounts of sugar and super high amounts of fat. It just overwhelms our, our brains. I wonder where we'll be in like 10,000 years. Man, I don't even know. Maybe we'll evolve to be able to deal with that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. That's a whole other show. Yeah. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about you, – you're familiar with the Adventist health study. Sure, right? yeah. Uh, and that kind of compared the, I guess, obesity rates or BMIs of people on their various diets. You know, yeah. You have your standard American diet and they work right. their way down all the way to 100% plant-based. Right. The chart that I have in front of me, perhaps unsurprisingly, shows that the vegan diet is the only diet where the average BMI was below the yeah. overweight line. Yeah, yeah. Pretty neat, right? Yeah. So it's not a it's not an experimental study. They weren't testing anything. It's more of an observational study where they were just looking and, and getting characteristics about the people involved in the study. And so you're absolutely right. When they when they compared the uh, the dietary habits of the Adventists, uh, they found that if you group them from basically the most meat and animal products down to the least amount with vegan being zero, uh, the, the BMI tends to fall uh, in a nice orderly stepwise fashion. Yeah. I put my glasses on so I could actually <laughs> read this. I mean, it's really interesting. So the average BMI for somebody in this study uh, who was uh, older than 30 uh, was 28.8, and those are non-vegetarians. And mm-hmm. then people, it's re- it really does, man. It just steps yeah. right on down. People who are vegetarian some days, but right. not others, BMI drops to about 27. Right. Pesco-vegetarians, it's 26. Right. Lacto-ovo-vegetarians, can you even tell me what that is? Uh, I don't know. All right. Then, uh, 25 point, <laughs> no, just 25.7, <laughs> just over the overweight line. But then at the end, it's it's vegan at so 23.6. It's, it's milk and eggs. Lacto over? <laughs> All right. You guys in your Latin. I, I didn't mean, make why, it why up. Why can't you just say milk and eggs? I don't know. I didn't make it up. I know. And we've talked about it on the show. I should know yeah. that by now. Well, you know, let me just let me just point out one thing here. So it's yeah. not a it's not a cause and effect study. It doesn't it doesn't mean for our uh, more discerning listeners out there, it doesn't mean if you eat vegan that's gonna be your BMI. Um, but how many how many people were in that study? Oh, 60,000 yeah. strange. So when you have a study that's really large like that, you you can 
you can't really discern cause and effect, but you can you can get a good idea of where things will fall essentially. Ye- you know the EPIC study as well? Oh, yeah. That was another pretty big yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, obesity rates there uh, among men and women. I found this to be particularly interesting. Vegetarians, uh, obesity prevalence, 3% mm-hmm. uh, for men, only 5% of women. Uh, omnivores, 6.5%. It jumps way up, more yeah. than double for men and 9.2% of women. Yeah. And that was a while ago. That was, uh, you have the year for the study? Uh, I think it was at least 10 years ago, maybe it, more. 2006. Oh, so yeah, a little yeah. more than 12. But, th- but, but again, that's another large scale study. That right. was 21,000. Yeah, yeah, that was done in Europe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, the studies, no matter where they're done, tend to show similar findings. Mm. Um, and again, you can't, you, you know, you can't say that eating the vegan diet caused it, but the, it's, it's a whole lifestyle thing put together. You know, diet is just one key aspect of it. Right. And we know from other studies that if you're, if you're trying to lose weight or maintain a healthy weight, diet is really the best way to do it. You know, it, it, it's, it's nearly impossible to exercise off excessive weight. Oh, there's no question. I mean, do you know how long it takes to run off a Big Mac? It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Like, you got to spend hours and hours and right. hours on the treadmill. Yeah, I, I always tell my patients, just estimate you have to travel about a mile to burn 100 calories. Right. Whether it's running or walking. If you run, you do it faster, obviously. Yeah. Right? But, you know, but it takes, give or take, you know, 100, maybe 120 calories uh, per mile. So if you figure Big Mac's, what, it's got to be at least five, 600 more calories. Again, like that, look yeah. it up. Yeah. 800, I don't know. Um, you know, you're talking about hours worth of exercise, potentially. Uh, really, and in today's society, who yeah. has time to spend, right. you know, all those hours in the gym? Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's part of the problem. Yeah. Not only are we eating these high-density or calorically dense meals, uh, you know, we're also not very mobile. Uh, yeah. 563 calories oh, look at that. in a Big Mac. All right. And, and you know, the American Heart Association recommendation for exercise is two and a half hours a week. That's not asking a lot. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. About that. So if you, you know, let's say, let's say, I'm going to do some mental math here. Let's say you just are walking, right? And right. they want you to do a little bit more than walking, but maybe you burn 300, maybe 400 calories in an hour, right? So now if you double that two and a half times that you're maybe burning one to one and a half big Macs a week yeah with I that two and a half hours yeah maybe i'm just doing real approximate math here it's all good for the average person yeah um, but it's not a whole lot you know no you because know your body the bulk of your calories are burned just your daily bodily functions right yeah i mean that's your that's what they call your basal metabolic rate or your resting calorie consumption spoken from somebody who went to class there you go yeah and uh and you you know you burn depending on the size and gender of the person anywhere from maybe 1200 calories to 2000 calories Mm -hmm. Uh, more muscle actually helps burn more calories so the more muscle mass you have more you lift weights yeah uh regular exercise helps keep your metabolism up actually and also diet matters too I pulled up the chart that we were talking about earlier in the show. It says what 500 calories are looking like. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great, great chart. It there. really is. And I'll tweet this out from at Chuck Carroll, WLC. Carroll with two R's, two L's, WLC, standing for weight loss champion. Woo. Uh, what 500 calories looks like. So, again, we start with oil. Mm-hmm. And I really wish, maybe if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, we'll, we'll put up this chart. Uh, just that little dab of oil and then cheese. Like, that's yeah. another thing. Like yeah. Cheese consumption in this country is through the oh, roof yeah. right yeah. now. I mean, people are drinking less milk, but yeah. the the, the consumption of dairy overall just because of cheese. I yeah. mean, like, that thing is like... Yeah. And you know what the number one source is, right? S- source of cheese? Cheese, yeah. yeah. Pizza. 
right? I, I mean, it makes sense to me. Yeah. We are a pizza, pizza-loving <laughs> country, man. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the average American consumes, I, I think it's over 100 pounds of cheese a year. I want to say 100, 110, something like that. Sounds right. Actually, no, wait. I'm I wrong on that. It's about 30 to 30 some odd pounds of cheese. Sorry, uh, you know what I was thinking of? It's gone up 100 fold over the last. Ten, uh, yeah, 10 fold. Yeah. Uh, 100, we, they went from 100 years ago, it was around three pounds of cheese. Yep. To now 30, 30 some half. odd. Yeah. 33 and so a half. So it didn't go up by 100 pounds. It went up 100 times. Yep. Yep. Approximately 60% of cheese uh, is consumed in the form of commercially manufactured and prepared foods such as pizza. There you go. Mm. How about that? You know that Dr. Barnard and I have talked about how there's uh, these think tanks that yeah. are partially funded by the government. Right. Really all they do is they sit in this little laboratory and try to come up with ways to get people to eat more yeah. cheese you know that's why you hear about the summer of cheese in right the 90s. Like, yeah that's where that came from no right. kidding and cheese on top of cheese the right. multiple cheese pizzas and cheese in the crust right. and all that yeah all of that leading to obesity yeah now, you can eat a pound of pizza and that's going to have a ton of calories or you eat a pound of kale right not, so not as many calories yeah and cheese is amazing i mean it's like a it's almost like a wonder drug but part of the, like the I don't know. I'm thinking of like the the evil part of the superhero field, you know, the the villain, you know. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it, it's it's just an incredible food. It's it's just condensed fat with sugar and salt. Yeah. I mean, it's like everything that anybody ever wants. Yep. Whatever you're craving, you've got it. The salt, the salt, the sugar, and the fat, and it and it and it's got addictive properties, as I'm sure you know. You, you, the, the viewers and listeners know from uh, Dr. Barnard was on talking about it, but I mean, it, it has these molecules in it that resemble morphine yeah casomorphine yeah i mean that's morphine's in the actual right name yeah i mean so you get a feel good feeling from cheese you absolutely do you crave it you absolutely crave it yeah um only got a couple more minutes left you familiar with the after meal calorie burn yeah how does a plant-based after meal calorie burn compare to the standard american diet it, it, well, it goes up when you're eating a plant-based diet. I mean, it, it has to do with, uh, for anybody not familiar with, when you eat something, your body's going to work to break down the calories. Um, so it's, you don't just store things as is. There's not like pieces of apple and pieces of kale in your body. Your body breaks it down into the fat and the carbohydrates and all that fun stuff. So uh, when you eat a diet that's higher in fat, your body doesn't actually have to do a whole lot with the fat. It kind of chops it up a little bit, but then it just basically delivers it and fat in the food becomes fat on your body. Like Dr. McDougall says, mm-hmm. the fat you eat is the fat you wear. Uh, when you eat carbohydrates, you, you break down the complex carbohydrates. So if you eat a, uh, an apple, let's say, that's mostly carbohydrates in the form of uh, sugars and, and fiber, your body breaks those sugars down, breaks those fibers down into their constituent uh, molecules like your glucose and your fructose, and then it it transports them to your liver. From there, it ties them together, makes chains called glycogen, and then when you need it, it breaks down the glycogen again and retransports it throughout your body. So there's there's a lot of kind of back and forth with that. Yeah. As opposed to the fat, it just kind of goes somewhere and hangs out until you need it. Right. All right. Um, which you don't really start burning fat until you've used up most of your sugar stores. In reality, you're always burning a little tiny bit and you're always burning mostly carbohydrates for somebody who's well-fed. Um, but anyway, so that energy, okay? Well-fed. Well-fed, yeah. Uh, as opposed to starving. Right. Right? So that energy to, to break down the sugars, break down the fiber, transport it to the liver, break it down again, 
you need to, you need some energy to actually do that. Right. And so you get an after calorie burn where you're you're burning calories or after meal calorie burn, you're burning some calories just to do that. Um, that those calories are burned in in the process of metabolism, which is all the functions that go on in your body, and so you end up burning more calories just from eating those foods. It sounds to me like uh, reward, rewards points on a credit card, right? You're yeah, going to spend the yeah, money you right. have to anyway. Right. This is just a bonus. Right. Might as well you know get some I mean? credit out of Why it. Not? Yeah, Why not? Get your, get your airline miles or your hotel points. I feel like we need a part two, part three, part four, part five for this. Yeah. Uh, so we'll do some more shows on this in the future. We're going to talk about some uh, really foods that you should be zeroing in on to stay full. We're, we're going to get into specifics here with a colleague here in just a minute. Uh, but you, sir, you are always welcome on the show anytime just feel free to drop on by sweet you, you are a good guy and, Aww, and you're very a good intelligent guy. who <laughs> you know again you didn't cut class and i did and that's why you're sitting there god bless you sir yeah i, I went to bio class i know yeah i'm glad one of us did mr foray if he's listening can i even remember the name <laughs> i can't i remember i told i told my bio teacher to if she would bring me a cup of coffee every morning, I would actually show up for class. Wow. She brought me a cup of coffee. But you, didn't show up for class, though. I mean, she's already bringing you knowledge, right? I feel bad. <laughs> I wound up passing her final. She was very upset about okay. it. Okay. But, I, you know, yeah. I was a completely different guy oh, back yeah. in the day. That's like, what I hear. My whole life has changed. Yeah. Like, I want to go back in time and slap myself around. <laughs> I mean, I never bring you coffee. Yeah, why not? I don't. I don't even drink coffee. You know, I've never had coffee in my life. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked it too much. I gave it up. I drank tea now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I never even tried coffee. And that's the look I get. It's okay, <laughs> man. It's okay. Yeah. Sorry. Right. I don't really plan to. It's hey, man. You I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's fine. Life, yeah. If you've made it this far, you're not the first person that I've heard uh, who has. Uh, really? Who, who There's has, others out there? There is a DJ that I used to work with <laughs> here in uh, the D.C. area at the Mighty Wash FM. Ah. Lou Katz was his name. Yeah. Uh, no never, coffee. Never once. Never once did he have a cup of coffee ah. or soda. And he worked in the morning, man. Yeah. Like, he was on air. I mean, I'm here early. Morning. Yeah. Yeah. Silly. I don't know. Maybe there's something to it. It could be. All right. You guys are you guys are the exception, <laughs> not the rule. All, All right. right, Dr. Steve Niebuhr, get out of here. You gotta go upstairs and see patients at the Barnard Medical Center. And by the way, if you would like to see Dr. Niebuhr, you can do that. Barnardmedical.org is the website to set up an appointment or pick up the phone, call two oh two five two seven seventy five hundred. Thanks a lot, Dr. Niebuhr. Thank you. So that chart that Dr. Niebuhr and I were talking about with the stomachs and what 500 calories worth of particular foods look like inside of them, we put that up on pcrm.org slash podcast. And I've also gone ahead and I've tweeted it out, put that up on my Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC. Again, Carol, two R's, two L's, WLC standing for weight loss champion. And when you see this chart, when you see the stomach side by side filled with the various foods, some stomachs rather empty, others filled all the way to the brim, you're going to think it will get you thinking. And I bet you you're going to want to share that that particular chart with some friends and family members. Now then... Ring the bell, because it is time for the tale of the tape. How do some of America's most popular dishes stack up to their plant-based counterparts? How many calories, how much fat can you knock 
out of your diet by opting for the vegan version. We're about to talk about everything from pizza to burgers to even those decadent brownies for dessert. Registered dietitian and nutrition expert Maggie Neola here now with the answers. Rolling right along here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee, the Weight Loss Champion, Chuck Carroll, still here with you. And today's show is about eating more, yet weighing less. Everybody wants to weigh less. That's the thing. Weight loss, how do you do it? It's such a huge industry. You've got everything out there. Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, uh, South Beach Diet. I mean, I could go on and on, and I'm sure you... I did something called the Cookie Diet one time, the Cookie Diet doesn't really work. I'm just saying. Anyway, so many diets out there. But the truth of the matter is what research has shown is that a plant-based diet is the most effective in not only losing weight, but keeping it off long term. I mean, I studied hundreds of thousands of people tracking this at this point, And that is what all of that research goes to show. And so now... My next guest, dietitian from upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center, Ms. Maggie Neola. Welcome to the show. Thank you. When people switch to the plant-based diet, or any diet really, people are just so scared of giving up the foods that they've been eating their entire life and they enjoy. Mm -hmm. And how many times have you heard, you know, I could go plant-based, but I just can't give up cheese. Cheese, Mm -hmm. right. So that's a big one. Yeah. Or I, I love burgers. I eat them at least once a week. I need to have my burger. Yeah. The fact of the matter is you can get quite creative in the kitchen as a vegan, and you're really not giving up the flavor or the mouthfeel. I love that term, mouthfeel. That's a funny one. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still have all of those favorite things. The recipes are just a little bit different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Recipes are different. You're actually often expanding your choices more. Like how often do you go to the grocery store and only pick like broccoli, celery, and carrots? But when you actually realize that your body needs way more vegetables than you think, you start to see what's in that grocery store. And there's like tons of options out there that you probably haven't had in a long time. The produce section in any grocery store really is is quite large. But you're right. People tend to go for the same things over and over again. Mm -hmm. You know, apples, oranges, bananas, maybe some lettuce. Typically the iceberg lettuce, that that head of, you know, just green water basically. Uh, You know, the carrots, like you said. You know, it's funny, but like there's so much more there that people just – they have blinders on too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's why it's fun. I mean, you get to try these new fruits and vegetables and, of course, all the whole grains and legumes that many people don't grow up on. Right. Because um, they're just used to not eating them. So you get more choices. And here's the cool thing. When you do incorporate those plant-based foods and you replicate these recipes that you've been eating your entire life and you love them to death, you think you can't live without them. Well, lo and behold, when you make that switch and you make these new recipes, what happens to the fat and the calories and all of that that you have been eating? It comes way down, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. (laughs) No cholesterol, of course. Um, Lots more fiber, way less calories, way less fat, especially saturated fat, which is artery clogging. So lots of benefits. That's all upside. Dr. Niebuhr and I were just talking about that chart, you know, with the, what did you call it, volumetrics or Mm -hmm. something like that? You know, here's how full your stomach gets with 500 calories of oil versus, Mm -hmm. you know, all the way over to 500 calories of fruits and vegetables. In that case, like the stomach, I mean, all that stuff's coming straight up the esophagus and almost, you know, there's, (laughs) you're just, you can't fit any more in. Like that's, that's the cool thing. So Mm -hmm. really you want to lose weight? Eat a lot of plants. 
Simple yep. advice. Simple <laughs> advice. So let's actually go through. I've I've pulled five very popular dishes. Uh, I believe that these are probably among the most eaten foods um, in the country. And so we have the original version, and we're going to compare that to the plant based version. Mm-hmm. And the disparities here, I can't I can't wait for you guys to see this. Hopefully, we can put some of this information up on the screen if you're watching this on YouTube. And certainly, we'll have all of this available for you up on PCRM.org slash podcast and oh by the way these recipes they're all from the 21 day kickstart that's what i'm talking Mm -hmm. about that's a wonderful free app by the way go ahead Uh, it's available google play uh in the itunes uh, store go right ahead and uh pick pick that up right now you'll get these recipes right in the palm of your hand the burgers i mean we we talked about that right at the top i mean i was i was burgers weren't really my jam i was more of a a mexican fair kind of guy mm-hmm when I was really overweight, but boy, you know, every once in a while, I would go to Burger King and I would get that Whopper, mm-hmm. or double Whopper, mm-hmm. triple Whopper as I got heavier and heavier. Yeah. But let's take a look at the fat and the calories, that nutritional content for the Whopper. You okay. look at that, Maggie, and I'm telling you, my eyes, they pretty much just pop right off of the page. Break, break this down for me. How many calories are we talking about in a Whopper here? So 660 calories, that's without cheese on it. Wow. So who gets it without cheese? A lot of people will get it with cheese. Of course. Um, so that's of course. <laughs> baseline 660 for calories uh, and 40 grams of fat, which is a lot of fat, more than you need in a day for most people. Sure. Um, yeah. And then cholesterol, 90 milligrams. So, you know, first of all, our bodies don't need cholesterol. Right. We don't. We make it ourselves. Um, but... That's you know that's that's already too much, too much for our bodies to handle, um, and very little fiber, only two grams because it's maybe coming from the bun and then a little bit of lettuce, but not enough fiber. You know your colleague Lee Crosby is she's like the fiber queen. Mm-hmm. I think that if she looked at this, little tears would start to trickle down the side of her face. Oh yeah, where's the fiber? There's no fiber. It's not here. No. <laughs> um, you know, and, and then if you flip that over, so that's the Whopper. And, yeah. and we'll get into the ingredients here in just a second. But if you flip this over uh, and you look at the recipe that we have for the Portobello burger, mm-hmm. we're talking night and day difference here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you go from like 600 calories to 160. That's a, quite the drop. That's a and you go from 40 grams of fat to two. Huh. Uh-huh. Wow. And you go from two grams of fiber to six grams of fiber, which is definitely better. It could be even better. But we that's there's always all these ways to modify it. So if you're thinking about your whole meal, for example, like I like to have people aim for about 10 to 15 grams of fiber in a meal. Right. Um, so that you can, if you're eating three meals a day, you're about 40 to 55 grams of fiber a day. Just the little numbers there for you. Um so let's say you're making this portobello burger, and then you also have some like roasted cauliflower on the side, and who knows what else. But this is on a bun. Maybe you have some hummus on top for some legumes. All good stuff there. Look at, look at you. You're, you're so gourmet. You have a background in food, though, don't you? I, I love cooking. It yeah. is it is a big passion of mine. So I'm always thinking about meal ideas. You have um, told me. You mentioned hummus. You have told me that you, you make quite the hummus. I do. I make really good hummus. At some point, yeah. I may ask you to bring some on, and we'll do a okay. taste testing. Oh, that'd be so fun. I think so as well. <laughs> Selfishly, I think that would be a blast. Yeah. Maybe, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> um, 
All right, so let's let's talk about. Uh, also, I wanted to ask you about the sodium content. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something Dr. Barnard and I talked about uh, in the food addiction show that we did recently. You know, yeah. salt salt's a big pleasure yeah. thing for the brain too. So, yeah. when we're talking about sodium content for the portobello burger versus the Whopper, mm-hmm. I would imagine that we're talking about another pretty big difference here. Yeah, so the Whopper is about twice as much. It's uh, 980 milligrams. Again, if you had cheese on that. Oh, man, that would go up even more. Um, whereas with the portobello burger, it's about 500 milligrams, um, which is definitely much better. Um, so the good thing is, too, I don't know if you're aware of this, but when you eat a lot of plants, you're also getting a ton of potassium, which helps counteract that sodium balance. So uh-huh. if your blood pressure is high or too much salt, if you eat a lot of potassium, it can help lower your blood pressure, too. Of course, you don't want to overdo it on salt. but Right. Yeah, the potassium helps, and lots of water. I did not know just how beneficial potassium is for heart health until a show I did recently with Lee. Oh, she okay. was on, the Fiber Queen was on here, mm-hmm. uh, but we were talking about potassium, and she laid out all of these foods that bring down blood pressure or help lower blood pressure. And I was mm-hmm. like, really? Yeah, really. Yeah, Do you yeah. know that there's more potassium in a cup of tomato products? So I'm assuming marinara sauce, something like that, than there is in a medium sized banana. Oh, wow. That's nice. Isn't, isn't that an interesting thing? Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Uh, so, okay. So that's uh, that's just the numbers there. But let's actually look at the ingredients list. A lot of people also say, all right, well, I want to eat better, but I also want to eat clean. Mm-hmm. And so you look mm-hmm. at the difference here uh, between the ingredients list for the Portobello burger, which is actually quite simple. Yeah. So you're basically having a burger with the, which is the portobello burger, the portobello mushroom, mm-hmm. one mushroom cap. Right. Super easy. You don't have it's just one ingredient. <laughs> don't overthink it, people. <laughs> um, and you can add some spices to it, like smoked paprika to give it that smoky flavor. Mm-hmm. Really delicious. Um, and some a little bit of salt, some garlic, and you're going to grill that. Maybe put some balsamic vinegar on it. Uh, definitely helps bring out the flavor. Putting that on a bun with some delicious roasted red peppers and some lettuce and onion as optional topping. Whatever you really like as your toppings, most of them work out really well. Right on. Um, but, you know, you could also make your own veggie burger from beans if you wanted to. But, I mean, this is even easier. It's literally a mushroom cap. Yeah. Uh, th- this is this would have saved me so much time at the Super Bowl. I uh, made my wife and I uh, mushroom walnut burgers, Ooh, which yum. were really good. Top those with uh, baby spinach and uh, guacamole. Mm. Let me tell you something. That was living. Tasty. That was tasty. That was living. I know. <laughs> man, that was good, man. Got my mouth watering. Um, yeah. So anyway, real simple ingredient. Now, flip over the opposite side here of this paper and we look once again at the information for the whopper and that is a whopper of an ingredients list i mean look (laughs) look at that i mean you would think it'd just be you know the beef and the lettuce tomato onion mayonnaise is one ingredient uh no that's not the case because if you look at everything that's in the mayonnaise everything that goes into the bun like that's as that's as long as my arm yeah there's some pretty it's pretty long (laughs) But yeah. what jumps out to me, and I would love to get your opinion on this as a dietitian, is if you could look at the ingredients for pickles <clears throat> and tell me, have you ever seen a pickle ingredient list quite like that? No. So usually pickles are just the cucumber, water, vinegar, and salt. Um, but they've definitely added some preservatives to it to make it more shelf stable, even some color you know, retention additives there. Uh, yellow five, don't know why that's in there. Uh, yeah, and some spice. I mean, it's just, it doesn't need to be that long, but um, that's what we do in our modern day food production, unfortunately. Right. 
Uh, but same thing, like mayo and sesame, you know, the buns itself, like those could have been way less ingredients if they were made from scratch. Um, but that's kind of what happens when you eat fast food. You get all the preservatives with it and extra ingredients your body doesn't recognize as food. So crunching so. some numbers here <clears throat> in my head, uh, that's if you, if you do the Portobello burger versus the Whopper, you're talking about saving 500 calories and 38 grams of fat. That is going to be so helpful if you want to lose weight. That, I mean, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the deal right there. All right, next up on the hit list, quesadillas. Like I said, I was I was a huge Mexican food guy. Mm-hmm. Like I was fully addicted to Taco Bell. Talked about that on the show last week. By the way, please go check out the Food Addiction Show. It was the highest single day download. Uh, first day, I don't know how to say it, but more people downloaded that show than any other show the first day that it was released. It was just wildly popular, so thank you very much for making that happen. Anyway, you hear about my addiction to Taco Bell because, well, probably cheese. Cheese is super addictive, as Mm -hmm. we know, as Dr. Barnard calls it, dairy crack. Uh, But quesadillas were definitely uh, on my typical Taco Bell order. And so I've pulled the nutritional facts for their... regular cheese quesadilla and then the nutrition facts and ingredients for the quesadilla that we have on our 21 day vegan kickstart Mm -hmm. let's start with the fast food quesadilla talk to me here all right taco bell quesadilla there is about 460 calories and 26 grams of fat half of which is saturated Mm -hmm. big problem uh whereas if you're looking at our quesadilla recipe it's only 135 calories and less than three grams of fat so that is really really great Mm -hmm. much better comparison there a lot less sodium as well oh yeah um only 164 milligrams in ours and then as opposed to 980 in the Taco Bell one. Again, fast food's always, well, dining out in general, they're going to use way too much salt. Oh, um, yeah. So definitely a vast difference. Again, you're getting that, you're getting cholesterol in a cheese quesadilla from Taco Bell, 50 milligrams, as opposed to none, of course, in plant-based. Mm-hmm. Um, 4.4 grams of fiber in our quickie quesadillas. Yeah. As opposed to the, well, they're about similar, actually. Okay. Think about it. Four grams of fiber in the other one, simply because you're also including other vegetables, similar vegetables there. Gotcha. So. That's that is what the kids would call statistically significant. Yes. Uh, again, looking at the savings there, it's about 330 calories different, mm-hmm. saving 23 grams of fat and a little over 800 grams of uh, milligrams of sodium. Yeah. So if you think about it, many of the calories are coming from fat there. And with fat being nine calories per gram, mm-hmm. it's a good number to know. As opposed to carbs and protein, they're only four calories per gram. Right, Makes right. sense to not have as much fat. That will be on the test, boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I think that we're going to notice a recurring theme as we go through these recipes, and that is the recipe for the traditional quesadilla and the tr- uh, recipe for the quickie quesadilla. Traditional, uh, again, probably the length of both of my arms combined mm-hmm. uh, at, at this particular one. And then if we simplify and we look at what is on the vegan quickie quesadilla that's simple like we're only talking about five or six things yeah these are really delicious like whether you are a kid that likes finger foods or an adult that just loves quesadillas these are a winner um you're really just taking your your tortilla Mm -hmm. corner flour whatever and you're gonna you know put your hummus on there roasted red pepper hummus works really well especially without any added oil if possible Mm -hmm. uh and then just sprinkle some veggies on there close it up and heat it on both sides in your pan and then you're done 
I like here, uh, we also, uh, the recipe calls for a little bit of tahini, and mm-hmm. uh, we give people kind of the uh, the secret way to make tahini if you can't find it on the store shelf as well, which is really, you know, pretty easy. Sesame seed butter and, and water and throw in some sesame seeds, and voila, you got tahini. Yeah, yeah, really simple. It's not complicated. No. How about that? And then, uh, you know, just for, for grins here, looking at the fast food quesadilla, and uh, I mean... I'm not going to go through and count because we don't have enough time, but I'm guessing yeah. and I'm not I'm not joking. I'm going to put a conservative estimate in that we're looking at at least 70 ingredients all told here. I second that. Yeah. Yeah. That is insane to me. It's a lot of ingredients. Insane. Yeah. Mm. All right. So that's uh, the quesadilla pizza. Who doesn't like pizza? Now, this is one, seriously, I could go vegan, but Mm -hmm. I love pizza. Mm -hmm. I love cheese. I can't live without it. Yeah, well, it's no surprise. Uh, Pizza is a contributor to saturated fat in this country. It's one of the top leading contributions because Mm -hmm. of its cheese. Uh, Of course, if you put meat on there, too, you're going to get more saturated fat as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody likes pizza, but we got to find a healthier swap for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, growing up, I was, my family and I, we, we bonded Friday nights. We would get together and we would watch. Uh, this was when, uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit here. This was when the X-Files was in the original run on uh, Fox. And mm-hmm. we would always order uh, pizza on Friday nights, stuffed crust uh, you know, we would always get pepperoni, and sometimes I would get sausage and mushroom. And if I was if I was flying solo that week, it was always meat lovers, which is probably the worst possible thing I could have put in my body. <laughs> uh, but I don't think that I'm unique in that people have fond memories of bonding around the pie. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. It's a social thing for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's just the go to. Oh, what do you want? Pizza? Okay. Yeah. Guess what? You can still have pizza when you're on a plant-based diet. Yeah. And I it's know. delicious. I know, it right? It's different. So for this uh, comparison, uh, we have our pita pizza recipe, again, mm-hmm. from the Kickstart. And then I also pulled uh, the nutrition info for the personal pan, just plain cheese pizza from Pizza Hut. You remember mm-hmm. getting those... In school, we used to have a what they called a book it program. It was a reading program. And so if we finished a book, you know, the book of the month or whatever, we were given a certificate for a free personal pan pizza pizza. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's personal pan pizza. What is it's it? It's a like big motivator. Six, six yeah. inches, eight inches. Like it's it's small. You can crush the whole thing in one sitting even, even as a little kid. Yeah. Anyway, I say that because it's roughly the same circumference. Yeah, look at that. That's the first time I've said that word on this show. Roughly the same circumference (laughs) as our pita pizza. So let's start with the calories in the healthier version first. So how many calories are we talking about in the plant-based pita pizza? 338. Pretty low. That's not bad. No. That's pretty good. Not bad. That is compared to 600. So you double it, basically, Savings of about half, yeah. Yeah. And so, again, where are those calories coming from? Fat. Mm-hmm. So 24 <laughs> grams of fat in a personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut as opposed to 3.6 in our pita pizzas. Huge win right there. Wow, saving about 20 grams of fat. Now, how many grams of fat should, like, what? what is the RDA for fat? How much, what's the limit? Um. Well, let's think about it more. We, we recommend looking at 10% of your calories coming from fat. So okay. for most people, it's probably about 20 to 30 grams a day. 
Uh, so you would so be hitting right it right there. there. You just on blow right on hut. past it. Yeah. <laughs> right on past it. Okay. Um, yep. So, so. We, we look at that. Um, cholesterol, obviously, again, none in the pita pizza. What about for the uh, for the personal pan? I would imagine that with uh, all 60. the cheese. Yeah. Yep, yep, 60. Um, again, we've got a winner on fiber. So the personal pan pizza only has four from mm-hmm. Pizza Hut mm-hmm. of fiber, whereas... Uh, the vegan pita pizza has 10.8, which is beautiful. It's exactly what I want to see in a meal. The picture that we have on the app for this pizza is beautiful. Yeah, it's very, like, very nice. I've not seen a more gourmet-looking personal pizza in my entire life. Like, yeah. It is. <clears throat> the, the photos that you all took for this, I mean, just remarkable. I know that I'm putting over you know, our, our own product here, but I'm telling you. If for no other reason than just to look at the pretty pictures, oh, yeah. download the app. People like food photos. Check uh, them out. Oh, my God. That's all Instagram is. Mm-hmm. You, you, are you on the gram? I am. Oh, yeah. my God. People love posting pictures of food. It's unbelievable. That's all I do. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, But the fun thing about this pita pizza is you can make it really quickly. So you, you could theoretically use like pizza dough and roll it out and all that good stuff or yeah. buy one. But we're just using pita pitas like right there's really really simple keep it easy it's already in a nice shape perfect size uh put your toppings and sauce on it yeah uh and the topping suggested here uh for the one uh, that was in the photo we've got thyme some green olives a little bit of roasted garlic sun-dried tomatoes yes please Mm -hmm. very yes please roasted red peppers love those as too a little bit of onion and some sliced basil roma tomatoes Peppadu peppers? Mm -hmm. What are those? I think they're like slightly sweet and spicy at the same time. I'm not sure. But am am I saying that right? I think so, yeah. Peppadu. It's a nice name. (laughs) That's gotta be named after somebody. Or that's a great name for you know, for like a dog. Oh, look at little Peppadu. Peppadu, come get your food. Um, Yeah, and the fun thing about this one, too, is you can use marinara as a base, or you can use roasted red pepper hummus again. Right. So it's up to you. We have the hummus on this recipe, but you're welcome to switch it up. Why not? You know, and and that's just a base, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can mess around, use your own topping, use whatever veggies you would like. Yeah, I think a Kalamata olive hummus would be really good you, as the base. You gave me a jar of those one time. Yeah, and the, those are some tasty olives. Oh, God, they're really good olives. Tasty olives, yeah, just a few. Uh, and again, um, just because it's staring us right in the face, the ingredients list for the uh, personal pan pizza <laughs> is quite long. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't pronounce it, so I'm yep. not even going to try. Lots of oils. And Last time I took Latin, I was in the sixth grade, and I don't remember any of it. <laughs> and I feel like I would need to brush up on that before I can read back that list. <laughs> um, so we've talked about the entrees. Let's talk about some side dishes, you know, yeah. some starters. Right. You go to a party, what mm-hmm. do people have a lot of times? Chips and dip or mm-hmm. vegetables and dip. Mm-hmm. Let's look at a dip. Mm-hmm. You know, How um, about an irresistible white bean dip? Well, that just sounds irresistible, so why not? Let's talk about that. Let's compare that to, you know, just a regular run-of-the-mill dip. So uh, let's start with uh, the run-of-the-mill dip. Uh Um, So it's kind of hard, I'm going to be honest with you, looking at this one to compare serving sizes and things because, well, they kind of broke it down a little bit differently than we have on our website. And Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I was told that there would be no math, Mm -hmm. so I did not crunch Uh, any numbers or do equations to balance it but i will tell you that for the numbers that we have in front of us 
The serving size for this traditional dip is two tablespoons. French onion dip, yep. That seems like it would be very easy to eat more than two tablespoons. You could eat that in one bite. Yes. Maybe. Right. So uh, in two tablespoons, let's start with that, break down that those nutrition facts for me. Yeah. So what's interesting about this is someone might look at it and, you know, like, oh, I'm looking for low-calorie foods, low-fat. Theoretically, this is pretty close to that. It's only 60 calories in two tablespoons. Um, You've got five grams of fat, which is a little bit high, but not insane. Um, And like, there's really not a lot in this dip. But I think what's kind of more interesting is the ingredient list because Mm. um, there's nothing in here that's like good for your body. So if you're looking at nutrient density, this doesn't win. Um, You know, you're looking at things like um, palm oil or hydrolyzed soy and corn protein, um, MSG, like modified food starch, uh, potassium, you know, yellow five and six, um, things that like, where do you find those things anyway? Like in a lab, essentially. Pickles. Yeah. Pickles. <laughs> <laughs> um, whey, which is like a protein found in milk. So point is like, there's nothing in here that's actually going to help your body function better. Whereas if you look at, uh, this irresistible white bean dip, Mm-hmm. Everything in here has a ton of different vitamins and minerals. So you have beans and lemons and, um, you know, miso, tahini, uh, nutritional yeast, garlic. Those kinds of things are actually good for your body um, and definitely going to be way more effective in helping your metabolism run better to help you lose weight. Oh, yeah. Um, So... Like, if you look at our dip, it is a little bit higher in calories. It's 139 calories based on, I'm guessing that's like... The serving size is way more than two tablespoons. Yeah, I can way more than two tablespoons. That. Because you want to eat a lot of this. Like, right. there's, there's a reason that that serving size is bigger. Um, and then there's six, six grams of fiber in this dip. It's probably a half cup. Um, as opposed to none in this French onion dip that we were looking at right. before. Right. Uh, so it's way better for your body. And I'm looking at, at the ingredients here as well. Again, simplicity is the theme. Um, it seems really like it would have kind of a tangy taste to me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, it just sounds delicious. A little mm-hmm. lemon juice, the miso, like you said, a little mm-hmm. bit of tahini, um, garlic, even a splash of maple syrup if you want to s- yeah. sweeten it up just yep, a yep. skosh. Just I keep a it little. on the tangy side, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that really does sound delicious and really easy to yeah. put together. Very, very simple. Yeah. Black salt. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Not just regular salt. Give it some salt. umami flavor profile. Umami. Umami. Yeah, put that in front of my mom. She said, ooh, mommy, that tastes good. <laughs> uh, dessert. Oh, my goodness gracious. Now, yeah. here's one that, I mm. mean, brownies. Growing up, I loved my grandmother's brownies. Yeah. Sometimes, man, I would go over to her house. I would make up an excuse just to get some of grandmommy's brownies. <laughs> This is an easy one to overdo it with, too, because they taste so good. And, like, you know, who wants to eat just this small amount of a brownie? Mm. It's an addictive kind of thing to keep eating. No, she would bring out, like, a a tray of brownies from the oven, and I would eat half of the tray. Yeah. Like, take the spatula, just cut up. It's concerning. Off off and go. Yep. Oh, it was really good when she had the uh, walnuts in there. Oh, yeah, you like the crunch in there? I'm not a huge fan of that, but that's okay. Yeah. To each his own. So... I didn't know the fat and calories and what what all was going in there. You know, Um, knowledge is power. So let's reveal it. Let's. Yeah. Uh, We're talking about, uh, for this case, not grandmommy's brownies. Delicious Mm -mm. though they were. May she rest in peace. Giardelli chocolate brownie. That is what we are going for here. Easy to find in any mall across America. 
let us discuss mm-hmm. this brownie. All right. One brownie, you're getting 365 calories. So yeah. who stops at one? That's a calorie a day for an entire year. A little bit concerning. Yeah. How about uh, There you go. <laughs> uh, 15 grams of fat. And that's, yeah, that's kind of... You get a little bit of cholesterol in there. Again, a ton of sugar. Look at, look at the sugar load on there. Yeah, 33 grams of sugar. Yeah. All added sugars. And I highly doubt any of it's naturally occurring sugar. Oh, no. In no, these no, foods. No. Um, so, yeah, not going to be helpful, especially when you're going for multiple of these. Whereas our raspberry fudgy brownies are half the amount of calories. They're only 136. There's only one gram of fat. Mm. Amazing. Um, half the amount of sugar. And the sugar that's in our brownies, most of it, let's see here, it's coming from fruit for right. a good amount of it, like the, the dates that are in this. It's a fruit that's naturally contains sugar, but right. good sugar. Um, so much better better source of sweetness there. Right, right. And there's seven grams of fiber in our brownies. Where do you think those are coming from? That would be the dates and, and beans. Black beans. Yeah. Yep, yep. yep, yep. So don't, don't scoff at me when there's beans in there. They're actually really good. They make them fudgy. Um, they make it thicker, but you can't taste it at all. I'm assuming you have friends who aren't necessarily plant-based eaters. Lots of friends. You you ever yeah. make them these raspberry fudgy brownies and see what happens? Well, I haven't made this one in particular, but I've made others with black beans in them, and they can't tell. I know. Yeah. Let me tell you another story. Okay. Not long ago, Dr. Barnard and I were over at the local ABC affiliate here in mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. He was doing a segment, and we had some of these recipes made so he could talk about them on air. Mm-hmm. What a concept, right? <laughs> The brownies were one of the items. Yeah. Let me tell you something. The barometer for how good something is, is how quickly it goes in a newsroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. As the table was being wheeled off of the set, hadn't even made it fully off the set, you had people starting to swoop in and take these brownies, man. They were just like vultures. And they would come in, they would swoop in, they'd get a brownie. And then... About five minutes later, you'd see some of these same people come back and looking for seconds. But the problem, Maggie, they were already gone. Wow. And magical. everybody said they were delicious. Yep. And that, my friend, is how you know that's a good brownie. Magically delicious. What's right it? There. What's, uh, what's your favorite brownie? My favorite yeah. brownie? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I don't have a favorite brownie. You don't have a favorite brownie? No. All right. That's Why? Fine. I mean, I just, I waxed philosophical and reminisced so sweetly about my grandmommy's brownies. I thought, well, maybe you had one. No, I was a a chocolate chip cookie person. Ah. My mom made those. Yeah. Really, really good. Make them from scratch or Mm -hmm. what? Okay. I became an expert at them. You have to take them out right before they even start to turn brown. Oh, right I'm before gonna, it. We're going to have to have you back on then to talk about plant-based chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> I could. <laughs> I, 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 I have no doubt. I, I honestly believe that you are probably uh, among the best cooks that we have <laughs> in this entire organization. Well, so, there's lots of competition. But. That is why I wanted to have you on the show. So bottom line here is to uh, switch over to a plant-based diet. You can, in fact, as the title of this show suggests, eat more and weigh less. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I do it all the time. 
<laughs> I do it all the time. And that's also how you know something works. So here's the cool thing. Uh, you are not just a voice on the show. You are not just a face on the podcast on YouTube. You are actually a working dietitian here at the Physicians Committee upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center. I am. Come and see me. Exactly. You are available for consultation. If somebody is hearing this and they're like, hey, I live in the D.C. area. I yeah. want to come see Maggie. Yeah. If they bring you some of their favorite foods that say, hey, you know, I I really like pizza, too. Mm-hmm. Or, man, I can't live without a fish taco or whatever right, like right, that. Right, right. You can be like, hey, let's let's look at an analysis. Do something similar to what it is that we just did. Yeah. Break down the health benefits. Yeah. And suggest healthy swaps. Like there's so many ways to to make an option, like, you know, have a different idea there. So. For example, like with fish tacos, man, you could do like oyster mushroom tacos instead. I mean, it's it's possible. You see that? You see that? I pulled that out of thin air and she already <laughs> knew like where to go. So I'm telling you, you are the person to see to do tit for tat in, in that case. So um, you can be reached. Uh, call up the Barnard Medical Center, 202-527-7500. That's if you're in the D.C. area. Schedule an appointment to go see Maggie. Go over your diet and, and you know, just really get an overall evaluation it'll be great you're going to walk away feeling a lot healthier happier and optimistic about you know what what's about to happen to you because this is going to be good stuff get excited absolutely <laughs> uh so 202-527-7500 or barnardmedical.org maggie neola thank you very much thank you chuck it's been fun And there you have it. I would say, with that being a tale of the tape, with that being a competition, we have a unanimous decision there. Quite clear, that evidence. We're going to put the full nutritional breakdown of all of those foods up on pcrm.org slash podcast. Check them out. You heard us talking about it, but when you see the numbers, when you read the numbers, when they hit your eyeballs on that computer or phone screen, man, <laughs> your jaw's going to drop even further. I'm telling you, the ridiculous difference is just extraordinary. And yes, okay, yes, the theme of the show is eat more, weigh less. But the benefits here, the benefits of a plant-based diet have been proven to go far beyond just being able to fit into a smaller pair of genes. We're talking about a dramatically lower risk of heart disease, of cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's disease. We're talking about living a longer life with fewer medications. So much good there. So much good. I'm going to coin a new phrase here. Look good, feel good, be good. If you're interested in just getting going on this plant-based diet, maybe you're not too familiar with it. Maybe somebody passed this podcast along and said, hey, check this out. I know you don't like dieting. I know you always talk about going on a diet and being hungry and wanting to pull your hair out. And now you hear this, you're like, man, I don't have to go hungry and I can lose weight. Well, check this out. We've got more for you, okay? I'd like for you to check out the Physicians Committee 21-Day Vegan Kickstart app, or you can enroll in one of our Food for Life courses that are offered nationwide. Those classes, they're going to teach you the ins, the outs, the health benefits of a plant-based diet, and how to cook when you're going vegan. Great resources just to get you going. The cooking thing, that's critically important because so many of us, 
we grow up completely unfamiliar with a plant-based diet. We don't know the first thing about going shopping, what to put in that cart, and we know even less about what to do with it when we bring those groceries home. But that's what those Food for Life courses teach you about. More information on that is up on PCRM.org. We will show you where those classes are in an area near you. And you can download the 21-Day Vegan Kickstart app by visiting the Apple uh, iTunes store or on Google Play. Available there completely free, both platforms. I put up a poll on Twitter recently, on my Twitter account, asking what topics you all were interested in learning about, what you wanted to hear about on the show. And I got some amazing, amazing responses. And I am happy to announce that we're going to be talking about a lot of them right here on the show, including... I'm really looking forward to this one, including the debate over whether our dogs, our cats, our animal companions, can they eat a plant-based diet? That is a surprisingly big debate. I mean, a big, big debate. So we're going to be getting into that in the not too distant future. And what did you know with this poll that the most requested show was on food addiction? And that's what we talked about on the show last week. I'm so thrilled to share with you that we had more first day downloads with that episode than any other in the history of the exam room podcast. So thank you for making that happen. Thank you for setting that record. And you know, I heard from so many of you who shared your own struggles with food addiction I shared my story about not being able to go a single day without going to Taco Bell and then going through physical withdrawals. If I, if I didn't get my fix, I would get nauseous. I would get sick. I would get angry. And at the time, I thought that there was something wrong with me. I thought that I was the only one, but I'm not. And I heard from so many of you who shared those same struggles and some even who continue to share that struggle. And I just want you to know that I'm so grateful that you listened to the podcast. And for those who are still struggling with this, I want you to remember Dr. Barnard's words. It is not your fault. It's not your fault. Food addiction is not your fault. We are set up to fail. We are set up to fail because a lot of money is generated by those high-fat, high-calorie, high-sugar, high-salt foods. It's just the world that we live in. It is not your fault. But the situation is not hopeless either. Don't give up. Keep fighting. You can do it. You can always reach out to any of us here at the Physicians Committee. Reach out to me. Head up our, our website, pcrm.org. Tons of great resources there. Or visit us in the Barnard Medical Center. If you're lucky enough to live in the Washington, D.C. area, visit us here. Come see Maggie. Come see Dr. Niebuhr. Come see Lee Crosby or, or Susan Levin. Any one of our wonderful dietitians or our doctors, they can help you with your battle. The situation is not. It is not hopeless. 
Before we wrap up today, I want to ask one more teensy-weensy favor of you. If you have not already done so, please go ahead and subscribe to the show. Subscribe to the exam room by the Physicians Committee. Leave us a five-star rating and a nice comment. Would be so kind. So kind of you. Of course, the show available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, wherever it is that the finest and not-so-finest audio is available. Anywhere podcasts are available. As a matter of fact, that's where you can find the exam room. So for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so, so much for listening. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, and keep it plant-based. We'll talk to you next week.